Broadcasting from occupied territories, war the flea media, it's the Reality Dysfunction Podcast. A space where a diverse group of brown folk from across the nation explore the political experiences and social future of our Chicano Latino community. Control the narrative, resist the dysfunction. Hey everyone, it's Dr. Ernesto Morales back with another episode of the Reality Dysfunction. This week we have somewhat of a uh, truncated group, a little bit different also too. We have some different people with us, but they'll get a chance to introduce themselves in a second. What we're going to be talking about today is the future of the right-wing insurgency and its relationship to the Chicano Latino community. I know you all know who we're talking about and who the people are that we're talking about, but we'll get to that in a second. Hi, I'm Alex, and I'm coming from the East Coast today. My name is Berte. Uh, they, them pronouns. I'm calling in from Tucson, Arizona. This is uh, Teofilo Reyes. I'm calling in from uh, my sabbatical in Philadelphia. All right. <laughs> okay, so today we're talking about the right-wing insurgency. Uh, I think that there was a time for all of us, except for maybe Berte, because he's considerably younger than the rest of us, where we would have um, had a hard time really imagining people from our community taking part in this right-wing racist sort of uh, reimagining of what it means to be, you know, American. But clearly, you know, the moment is upon us. And so, uh, you know, the big news today, of course, is Enrique Tario, who is not only a race trader, but evidently is a FBI snitch. Any thoughts? Well, when you think about, like how often like a lot of the cats who get involved a lot of the like latino folks who get involved with like um, alt-right communities are just sort of playing like a political capital game you know like what group is going to you know what group looks like they're going to be on top what group looks like they're going to be getting a little more um and so what i'm looking for a little more political stakes right like is, is this the trump train then they're going to get on it you know like it's opportunistic that's the word i'm looking for so like the idea that this cat would do would join the proud boys and would also sell them out when it kind of suits him. Doesn't really surprise me that much, you know. I, I, I guess I don't, I don't know what their internal processes are, but he uh, became the leader of the Proud Boys, right? So that was a presumably he was chosen by other Proud Boys to become their de facto figurehead. I don't know. I you know I've, I've not looked into Enrique Tario's life at all, so I don't know what his personal background is. You know what as far as what his uh what community he grew up with or what uh you know what his school life was like but um i mean i think there are a lot of hispanics that identify as white and who prior to and who then go through some process of politicization in in college perhaps where they become sort of learned that or, adopt an identity that's a little different that's where they find maybe their indigenous roots or or whatnot so i don't know again i think it completely varies by by individual but what's what's his background to say what what he's been exposed to uh prior to you know prior to this life based off what you were just saying there it it makes me think about when we have to check the box about what are you right and I am a child of immigrants. My parents came and actually met in New York City, but they came from Colombia, right? And I don't think that they thought of themselves back there. I don't, I don't know if they thought about themselves as being white or not white or black or indigenous. 
But when you come here to the US, you definitely have to start checking off one of those boxes. So when you look at the boxes that you have, the what are your options? It's white, African-American or black or you know, native, but native American from the US. So I think it's very difficult to try to figure out, well, how do I fit into these boxes when you don't have re really ever thought about yourself in those terms? And so I think it's this box that we're trying to compartmentalize ourselves into, but we don't really fit that box, right? So how are we, so I think about how are we redefining that box or dismantling the box and just, you know, creating the box for ourselves, I guess. I, I hear what you're saying, Taylor, and, and, and it made me feel lightly, like maybe I shouldn't have gone too hard on homie in the beginning, just slightly for a second. And then I, I re I righted my ship and I was like, no, fuck him. But the, the thing is, is that when you say that you're white in this country, that that's not just, you know, quote unquote racial designation, right? That's a, that's a political designation that is loaded with, you know, eugenicist racist history. So when, when somebody says that they're white, what they're really doing is they're saying, I accept in some ways this, this version of, of history. And I understand that the only way that I'm going to uh, get forward, right, get or, you know, advance in the United States, if somehow other people see me as white, right? Because, I mean, even if you think about it, for those people from our community, and, you know, particularly from our community, who aren't even really like on a hardcore assimilationist track. I mean, their success usually almost always brings charges of assimilation, right? Oh, they're trying to be white or this or that. And so, I mean, and the thing is, is that you could say, I mean, and I think a lot of people do, that that's part of our community being like, you know, crabs in a bucket. But I think it's also an acknowledgement, right, of the underlying values that come along with claiming white identity. And I think that that's, yeah, yeah go ahead. Well, what I, I think the, what I was mentioning was in response more broadly to the question of who might, you know, get involved in one in these groups. But I think in, in particular for Enrique Tario, he's Cuban American. And there are a whole bunch of Cuban Americans who think they're white and who identify with, you know, Spaniards and, and are very much aligned politically with what you just stated. Right. I think that goes the same for all the for, you know, a portion of Mexicans in New Mexico who see themselves as Spaniards as opposed to anything else. Yeah. Right. So I think that is very much, very much in line with this conscious genocidal erasing of of the uh, indigenous in the Americas. But like what Todd was saying. I see that, right? Being white me equates success, right? When we're talking about the American dream and that propaganda that's fed to us, right? They're not talking about like successful black people. They're talking about successful white people. The suburban house with a white picket fence and the car and the dog. Blackness doesn't equate success here in the US, right? Well, I mean, and, so, you know, I mean, no, you're right. And, and not to, you know, start like a firestorm or anything, but I mean, if you think about it, uh, white people and black people are much more politically aligned than they are from, 
from our community, uh, Latino or Hispanic, are really aligned with um, with either one of them. Just the other day, I was listening to um, a professor uh, give a talk kind of about this, and he was saying that the Black community is even more monolingual at greater rates than the white community is, that they're monolingual in English. Not that what languages you speak really proves a whole lot, but I mean, it does, it does talk, it does kind of speak to some things. You know, even if you look at these articles that we were looking at, this one in particular, you know, where it talks about Latinos increasingly identifying racially as white, right? And that in March, the Pew Hispanic Center, like in March of uh, 2016, found that 39% of Afro-Latinos also identified as white alone or white in combination with another race. When you think about 50 years, you know, so-called 50 years of like, uh, you know, the Civil Rights Act and, you know, all these different, you know, affirmative action and all these different things. I mean, really what what they brought us to more and more is um, like this overwhelming desire to be white, that that's what people want more and more increasingly. I think it's absolutely true that people are like, no, I'm white. And I think that's a big part of this whole like um, uh, multiracial movement that's happening. That happens particularly in on um, on campuses, right, where kids refuse to refuse to pick anything other on, on their racial identification. They refuse to pick a box. What they pick is other or multiracial. But all that does, all it really does in the end. It doesn't prove that our, that our society has become more tolerant or more diverse. It just makes it easier for administrators and those policymakers who are making those policies to discount the demands of oppressed people because they're all like, well, there's really not that many of you. Who are these kids? Well, they're half white. What do they need these services for? They're half white. I mean, Alex, you work at a university. I, I know, know you've heard but, this. <laughs> but here's my question. It's like, so... As what are Latinos supposed to check on the box? What box is there for them, us, to check? Well, I think it's interesting that this news article that we were talking about says that increasingly Latinos, Latinos are identifying as white. Yes, but I'm if just, you if you look at that, so here's let me let me give you this. Who are they counting example. as Latinos? <laughs> so let me give you this example, right? So I, I've. I've been going to a lot of doctor visits within the past two years, right? And recently I've, you know, I I think I, I do not consistently mark the same boxes all the time. Sometimes I'm other, sometimes I'm like, do not want to reply. Sometimes I check white, native, and black. You know, it's like, it's always a mix of what I'm picking. Okay. Right? And so, the, if you pick Latino or Hispanic, right, on the form at my, one of my doctor's offices and you pick other for race, they automatically mark you as white. white yeah. So when I have gone back to the doctor to, you know, and you have to always do the pre-check and they give you that little tablet, you know, and, it, and I'll see like, this is your, you know, please confirm your responses and I'm like, I never checked white. Like, why is the white box? And they're like, oh, well, if you don't, it defaults to white because you're picking Hispanic Latin. And I was like, fascinating, right? So, and, and I do work on a 
college campus. And sometimes it is not clear, right? If you are not distinctly marking off black or Asian and you're waffling there between like, what is Latino? They mark you as white. Yeah. If you're two or more, it's very difficult. If you choose two or more, it is very challenging for for the data to be pulled if you are two or more. So what is what is all this? How how does this or does it support these uh, movements that we see happening around the country right now? I mean, do, does this play into it at all? I mean, are, are we just you know, I mean, we're just having a conversation among ourselves about this thing that I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm. I'm not. I'm not sure why anybody would want would want to be white. I, I'm just not. Well, sure about I mean, that. one thing is one thing is why they'd want to be white or market as white. Another is why would they want to associate and become actively involved with the white supremacist movement? I think that's a that's a distinction. You know, it seems to me the, the, the a little bit of the re- readings that I did prior to this um, conversation, you know, it's there's some academic discussion around the concept of nostalgic deprivation being like a motivator for these white supremacists, right? This this longing for a, an idealized past that they feel they've been deprived of, or that where they've you know that they've in their minds have lost. Um, and so, if you're um, um, Latino who sees yourself as white, where you're, you're sort of longing for someone else's nostalgia in a sense, which is which is an added layer of uh, of uh, sort of difficulty. It seems to me. Um, I mean, I think you know, it's it's not. I don't think it's that difficult to to see why someone would mark themselves as white if they have that available to them in that they're you know, it affords you certain privileges in the society, right? If you go to, um, well, I guess I'm only familiar with certain parts of uh, Latin America, but everywhere I've seen the media is overwhelmingly white, right? Like the people who are represented in mass communication throughout Mexico, it's, they're all white. Like it's very rare, right? I mean, you have very rare to see someone who isn't other than in like, um, um, sort of as comedians or comic actors, et cetera. And then, you know, that's, that's a whole part of it. So, you know, I think it's, it's very um, easy if you're allowed that space uh, and most of us are not allowed that space, right? The fact that most people are not, don't see themselves as white is because they are actively discriminated against on a daily basis, I would think. Um, but I, you know, I don't think it's that, crazy to see why someone would want to to see that if they if that was um available to them i guess i mean that's why i was kind of saying about that i felt like i was being a little harsh but then i realized who we're talking about and i didn't feel like i was being harsh enough when i said that this enrique uh, tarillo guy was being opportunistic or that this was kind of like an opportunistic mindset like i don't think he's sitting in his room alone, checking off boxes and weighing out like, oh, hey, if I put this down, am I going to get this or that? But when you look at a lot of this, um, when you look at a lot of like the political actions and when they started becoming public, right? Like Alex was bringing up the the point about boxes. 
what do we do when we are situated and looking at what box do we put down to discuss ourselves? And that's a question that's gonna be way bigger for each of us as we kind of work through. The one that, that makes me think about those right now with these cats is that they started taking it to a sense of like, okay, well, what does that box do in practice, right? Like, what does it do in, in policy? What do I want to see change in policy, you know? Um, and they define themselves in these ways. They affiliate themselves with these movements that look powerful, that just seem powerful. I mean, Dale was bringing up the nostalgia for a past that wasn't even theirs in the first place. Um, if you look at one of the articles, Nick Fuentes, who is a fun one, if you ever follow him on Twitter, like in the article, he talks about how he's he, um, he identifies as white. If you look at his Twitter, he identifies as Afro-Latino. And it's a picture of him and he passes very easily for white. That's why when I'm looking at these like different pieces, we think about like Latinos who identify with the alt-right or who identify with white supremacy. It looks, in the end of the day, whatever the internal mechanisms are, whatever has gotten them to this point, whatever their background is, whatever like really challenging moment or like they were oppressed and so they just started hiding their accents so they could fit in a little better, whatever, that's, that's fine, right? I don't really care. They're still, what they're doing is they're making an opportunistic decision. They are making the decision to use identity in a very particular way to benefit them in this other way, you know? Um, one of the, you know, we don't know the internal mechanisms of the Proud Boys. I wasn't like at any meetings. It makes sense that when they're getting slammed by the FBI and investigated as a hate group and getting called white nationalists, that they would suddenly put the first person of color that can as their president or as their leader, whatever they decide to call them, their fear. I don't fucking know what their skin, what their like, if they're, you know, titles are. But again, their point is, is that like, that's why it kind of keeps like coming back to like opportunism. You know, Alex, you were mentioning to the point about like, in this country, white is associated with success. Blackness isn't. Blackness is actually associated with the opposite. And for as harsh as it might be to say, like if people are choosing whiteness based on that calculus, they're taking an opportunistic approach. You know, they're making a decision that this, you know, will change things for them for whatever they seem as the better, as opposed to challenging the actual system that makes them worse in the first place. Yeah, they're, they're making a political decision, right? I mean, it's, it, it's what, and, and so I think part of it is too, like if, if you look at this, this other article that we were talking about, because, you know, everybody's getting all crazy about like, oh, all the Latinos that voted and everything, right? And, it's, and that's all cool. But I mean, and, and I only say this in the context of the other thing, because I think it's cool that people voted too, right? But I mean, if Latinos are increasingly thinking of themselves as white, right? And more Latinos are voting, does that mean that more Latinos who think they're white are voting? And are there more Latinos who think they're white that are voting than who think, who don't think that they're white? I mean, it's, it, I mean, I, and I'm not trying to be like confusing about this at all. My, my point, actually, my bigger point is really this, is that we can talk about our personal identities all day long, right? I, my mom is white. My dad is Mexican. I am not white. I don't care what anybody says, okay? Not white, all right? But that doesn't mean I don't love my mom. You know, I'm just not white because for a number of reasons. But one of them is because I understand that it's a political decision, right? It's a political decision that places me within a greater context with a larger group of people who have principles and ideals and goals that I am aligned with, right? But I'm not aligned with them because they're my personal goals. I'm aligned with them because 
they speak to my personal goals and they allow a vehicle to be created for my personal goals to be seen. And so if all these people are getting involved in this, I mean, they, they can't be different than me fundamentally, like their motivations, they're still human beings, right? They're getting involved in something because they see that it somehow aligns with their personal goals. And I find that troubling. I'm, I'm troubled by that, by that thought. Yeah. And I'm, and I, I feel like I'm just stuck in my brain because if I, if people don't check white, then the other option is black. So what does it mean to be black? Are, are we black? Right. So I, I think about that. Like, so if you have a, you know, someone who, who's not thinking, I think in, at it from a political perspective, if I'm, if I'm not black, then I'm checking off white and it's safe. It means that I'm, I am aligning myself with success in this American dream and what I'm supposed to be doing, right? And hey, I am in the US, I'm American. It's what we're supposed to be doing, right? Is be this. I'm having a hard time getting beyond that because if I'm not white, then that means I'm black. And is anybody in the black community embracing me as black. Oh, what about Native American? You can you can mark that you're Native American. But the Native American is as Native American from North America. So as a non-North American indigenous person, that it, so, I mean, when you really like, because I've been, as I said, I've, I've been checking all these boxes. My kids are in this school process and I have to mark off these boxes for school as well. So when I really look at them, I'm like, what am I marking? What are my options? And, and I think that is very political and, and, and that's being done very much on purpose, right? Well, there is definitely clear goals, right? If you yeah. think about, do we want all these people to identify with being white or to identify with being black? I mean, the, the, the reality is, and, and this could happen, right? that our community is the one that's responsible over the next 20 years for the growth of the white supremacist movement. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean, think about it. You have a certain number of white people in this country, maybe 76 million, who are at least willing to look past certain, a certain level of bigotry, right? They're, they're willing to look past it and, and to say, well, you know, this or that, and you know we can work with it, right? I mean, that's how many. That's about how many people voted for for Donald Trump, okay? And I understand I'm making some pretty broad generalizations here, but I would say a vote for Trump is you're at least willing to look past some bigotry, okay? Well, that's 76 million, right? So now all of a sudden we're the largest non-white voting block in this country, and we're increasingly identifying as white. It really could be us that does this. Wait, are, are you seriously arguing that brown folks are stealing jobs from white nationalists? Like, <laughs> like that's what you, I'm no, just making not, sure. 
I'm not. I'm not arguing that. Yeah, stealing them stealing like nationalism people. jobs now. Oh, that's just funny. One can't find, can't we just cannot find one sector and leave it alone, can we? <laughs> no, no. Well, we're hardworking people, man. You know what yeah. I'm saying? So, it's but also like, lazy, apparently, and simultaneously lazy. Yes, and not yeah. and not very smart at the same time. So, I <laughs> no, I, I'm. My, no, my I point, but that, but that, but that's my point, right? Is that we have. I mean, I think that if, if we really want to have a conversation about the future of the right-wing insurgency in this country, that that simultaneously we have to have a conversation about the political education of the Latino community in this country. And that people have to like come to this, uh, they gotta have a come to Jesus moment. Either we are white as a group or we are not. And if we are not, then we also have to find a different way of talking about ourselves other than these homogenizing terms like Hispanic and Latino, because that puts us in the same group as Enrique Tario. It just, it just does. We, we are, we nominally belong to a block called Latino that that guy belongs to too. And I'm telling you, I don't belong to anything that that guy belongs to except the human race. I mean, that's, that's as, that's as big as it gets. And that's where we're at. So, I mean, you know, it's, I think that it also starts with that is that we have allowed the American settler system to identify us and categorize us and reclassify us to the extent, right, that we are unable to articulate a political position in this country, which is the reason why all of us here as descendants of indigenous people, right, have suffered our ancestors suffered and we have suffered. And I know that you all have, and you know that I have been discriminated against and said terrible things to physically assaulted, held down, pushed back. I mean, all of those things. And yet we've all managed to, to overcome that at great personal cost sometimes to ourselves, more so than to other people. We're unable to articulate a cohesive political position for indigenous people indigenous people from the Americas, because I, I, you're right, Alex, when they say Indian or native, they're talking about North American and, and people are making that very clear right now, which is part of the problem that I have with the whole BIPOC designation, right? Because once again, once again, we are not a part of the equation at all, right? It's black indigenous. So I consider myself indigenous, right? And then people of color. So then why are you part of indigenous designation? I mean, I, th I think, I think there's, I mean, you're part of the indigenous designation. I mean, I think there has to be a reclaiming of that and a, and a very conscious understanding that that is not, that, that 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 identity does not exclude us. It's it's not, there's there's no other way around it. I mean, otherwise you're stuck with what you, with what you stated previously, which I think it's, it's a little, little more complex in that, you know, you have this group of people who are classed as Hispanics or Latinos that are a very wide range that do have people who are very clearly white and people who are um, black and everything in between. But the, the plurality, if not the majority of that group uh, is defined by its, by its indigenous roots. And there's no, I, I don't think there's no reason uh, to uh, not beyond embracing it, sort of advancing with that, with with that understanding, well, I think it's the like the hairline difference between 
like the designation that we see in the forms, which is Native American, American Indian, which is very clearly like in the US, US based, you know, and indigenous, because indigenous can always come with a lot of modifiers too, like indigenous Australia, indigenous New Zealand, Maori, you know, indigenous Central America, Mexican, you know? And so like thinking about yourself as indigenous versus thinking about yourself as, because um, I'm not American Indian, you know, it's very clear, you know, unless there's some history I don't know about, which would be cool to know, but if I'm not, whatever, I ain't too worried there. If I am, I'd like to find out. If I'm not, here we go. But point is, is like, um, I don't know that, but what I do know is that, you know, indigenous, as far as like this continent, if you just look at me, there's at least a not insubstantial part of me that is from this continent and indigenous to this side of the earth, I'm cool with, right? Like where specifically? I don't know. Well, I can figure that out some other day. As far as like what that means for us, though, what I've been thinking about as we've all been talking is like how much of these are kind of like markers for who we think of ourselves as and how much of these are markers for what we think of ourselves as doing. Like what kind of politic we see ourselves doing or aligning with. Like there's that thing where the where we go into a doctor's office, we go into a DMV, we have to check a box and you notice the boxes that are there and those boxes are intentional, right? Like why are there only why is it only black and white in here? Like, who are they trying to erase? What do they want to make sure there's no unification between? Why is it only American Indian versus like this other group? How many people do, does other collect in here, right? The designation between race, why is it called Hispanic versus like the other terms we had available to us, you know? Like, again, the, the reason why Hispanic is a word is, prob is problematic. And so there's that tension of like how, what box we pick as far as like how we see ourselves as. But then when you look at like these cats, like who are in the Proud Boys or who are in the alt-right, like they, they select white because they see themselves as being white, as doing white. And so in a way, I'm just kind of like turning and thinking about that. Like when we check a box, when we think of ourselves as one or the other, how do we think of ourselves here? But also what are we doing? Because I put other sometimes when I've just been bored. It's, it's, it's a lot harder to think about like, what are we doing there? And yeah, I know I'm Mexican. Don't, don't pretend I'm like, I don't know. I know damn well. <laughs> I saw that post in chat. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Anyway, I, don't, you don't look like me and have this weird and have this name <laughs> and have the weird ass family I did and not be Mexican. Like that's just how it goes. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I don't know. You know, it's 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 interesting too. I mean, I think this conversation is interesting, or some of the way that it's going, because. You know, unlike a lot of the people who are going to listen to this, I'm very familiar with each one of you guys' backgrounds. You know what I'm saying? And so I also know, too, each one of you have made a conscious and political decision to be who you are, right? In, in, in a, whole bunch, of, in a whole bunch of different ways, right? And so I think it's a, I think that that's, that's a part of it. You know, and, and what, what worries me a lot with these kids today and with not just with the kids but with like with the way that people the way that people talk about race is that there's some sort of like a way that people are authentically something like you can actually be half black and half white like that's a thing like that's science scientifically you can be half black and half white or you can be half mexican and half white or even better you can be you know uh, one quarter of three different things. I mean, I love that one. That's like, oh, you're one quarter of three different things. I mean, even I know that that's not possible. So, I mean, it's just this sort of junk science that goes along with it, you know? 
is also very inter- it's I don't know I think it's interesting I think it's problematic I think it will contribute though especially in our community to the rise of some very ugly ideas as it has all over the world and throughout history when people start trying to um, separate themselves racially or pursue purity or whatever I mean I, I don't know well I mean historically the Latino Latino voters, about a third, 30%, have voted Republican. In my mind, and here's another block, right? I have a hard time with this. Okay, fine, you can be Republican, but you know, whatever. Yeah, John McCain, John Kerry, whatever. Those guys, no, not John Kerry. Who's the other one? Mitt Romney. Who's the, who's the Mormon guy? Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney, thank you. Uh, Who lived for a great deal of his youth in Mexico, correct? I think so. Is he Mexican? I always end like, is he Mexican? Was he born there? (laughs) But, you know, just thinking about that. But I do think that there's a difference between Uh, a person who says I'm a Republican versus a person who is a Trump supporter, right? And I do think that if you voted for Trump, you are very much a white nationalist, ready to storm the Capitol again, you know, with all of those groups waving the Confederate flag. I think there's a, a certain amount of our community that will always be Republican. It's hard for me to get to the white supremacist part and thinking that, that that part of our community is growing more and more. That, that goes back to the political thing. And, and you're absolutely right. There's always going to be people who are conservative and there are always going to be people who are, you know, liberal or whatever. I, you all know what I mean. I hope you do anyways. That's not the problem. The problem is, is that they're assuming a conservatency. I think that's the right way to, I would say it. That is... Um, that is, that's outside the, the, the Chicanada. It's outside of the, of Latinidad. You know what I'm saying? It, it doesn't, they're, they're assuming somebody else's conservative stance, right? That is, that is based and propositioned on our inferiority. That, that's the problem is that that conservative, that conservative stance is based on our inferiority. Now, if people want to create a political ideology or political system that is coming from a position, not of our inferiority, but of our like uh, self-determined, our, our, our right to self-determine or our right to sovereignty, right? Within, within the Americas, then I would, I'm okay with people being conservative. I, I have no problem with it. I have a problem with them doing it in a way that furthers our subjugation. That's that's the problem. That's the part that I'm all like, y'all don't see this? Like for real? You don't you don't see what you're doing. Isn't uh part of that um sort of contradiction tied to the emphasis on undocumented immigrants? Like there is a group of Latinos who are very resentful of undocumented immigrants dominating sort of the agenda when it comes to um to uh, Latino issues, uh, it seems to me that that is 
that resentment is part of, I mean, I, I, it, that's been laid out in some of the articles that where they've gone in and interview, interviewed people who voted for Trump, right? That has been one of the things that they've clearly stated, right? We're not like these people that came here um, uh, illegally, but, and, but not from the political perspective of, you know, I was here before there was, you know, border. Like, actually, I came here the right way. Right. And so I think that is a mentality that that also leads to that, which I think is I, I mean, I, I think there's a conversation that can be had there that that is. Um, I think there's a bridge that can be made to, to that perspective. I actually like that phrasing the right way, not literally. I like it. It's like that. You know, millennial. I like everything ironically. That phrasing the right way is kind of interesting to me when you think of it's fascinating because you basically think about like i got in through this process of hazing i got in i got hazed and when you say i got in the right way you're saying that that was the correct way to do things that was actually okay what happened was okay that thing was good what was there was the correct thing and so it's sort of like these people these folks who say that are defending the hierarchy that marginalized them the system of hierarchy itself is okay. And even though they know they're not at the top or going to be at the top, they're okay with the fact with their lot in the middle somewhere. And that reminds me a lot of like some other couple hate movements actually that kind of build off of that. Well, the one is the incels who kind of like their whole identity is based around being inferior men, basically, you know, but they see themselves as being inferior types of men, but superior to women and that feminism is the reason for all their ills, but also they try to be as much like these ultra chauvinistic chiseled chin men at the top, you know? So like they kind of are operating as the middle managers of sexist hate movements, you know, they're, they know they're terrible, but they don't want to be at the bottom. And so I think about like these, you know, Latinos who want to be white, the Latinos for Trump, um, the people who I got in the right way in the same kind of, approach is like you know you're not going to be at the top but the fact is that the hierarchy itself is so much makes more so much sense to you and is so important to you that you're down to defend being the middle you know because you're not the bottom you know you ain't going to be the top and you definitely don't want to slip down to the bottom because if you try to break the whole thing then you could slip to the bottom and so it's these folks who like really hardcore defend their own mediocrity and that's a horrible way to phrase it, I know, because there's some folks who are just not, you know, but it's, it's what it is. It's, it's how it kind of works. It's like, this was the right thing. This terrible thing that happened to me was okay. And not only was it okay, but other people should suffer it too. Yeah. You know, thank it you, goes thank back you to sir. What... May I have another? That's, um, that's, what, that's what I'm thinking. But yeah, I'm sorry, Alex. No, no, no. I mean, I think we're all... It makes me think about what Dale said when we first started this conversation about the Rio, you know, Proudboy's guy. What happened to him? And yeah. and so what Berti was talking about too, it's, it almost sounds like PTSD. And so like what is happening to these people within our community that they feel that they have to make this choice to be shit on in middle management for the rest of their lives because that's what they're supposed to do when they get here or in order to get up or for their children to rise up, they have to take it. I mean, I, the, that line about um, 
the you know they'll do anything in defense of their mediocrity. I mean, they should print that on the fucking dollar bill, dude. I mean, seriously. I mean, if you if you think about it over and over and over again, I mean, that's exactly what. I mean, how many times have you know workers, whatever, sold themselves out? You know, in this country. I mean, all like you say in defense in defense of mediocrity, man. So we're almost at our time, you all. Dang, Bertha, you really, you, you blew my mind up right then, dude, when you said that. Yeah. I'm going to be thinking about that for a while. Any last thoughts, <laughs> though, about this? You know, I mean, are, are we the vanguard of the new white supremacist movement? Is that, is that the, uh, the fate of the, Latino com- of the Latino community? Don't fucking blame me for this shit. <laughs> well, I, think, I mean, I think Alex uh, hit on that point, right? I mean, if, if, if that white supremacist movement is successful they're all going to be on the train cars headed to camps or, or out or, you know, or across the border. Right. There's no, there's a very clear, the us versus them understanding that most white supremacists have regarding Latinos in this country, I think is undeniable. So, you know, if, if, if they are successful in supporting the advancement of white supremacy, they're basically buying themselves a one-way ticket out. Yeah. All right. It's been a good conversation, y'all. I think it uh, points even more so to the uh, absolute necessity of the uh, of our community, right? Our brown community uh, developing or working through some sort of a uh, a political agenda that exists solely for our benefit and outside of the uh, agenda of the white settler colonialists. Um, I mean, we we have got to find a way to talk about what this means for us, right? Because if, if we don't, I mean, we will forever be divided among these, um, among these white folks, man. I mean, they just, they got us running from, from this side of the street to that side of the street, you know? Yeah. You know, I was um, listening to this. I don't know. I, I have all these random podcasts on my phone and they just start playing. Whatever. Anyways. Um, and I don't know who it was, but it's this uh, black woman who is really upset that Kamala Harris's replacement was Padilla, right? Padilla, who I believe is the first Latino senator from California. Which is mind-blowing. Mind-blowing. And they were upset, or there is a section of the Black community that is very upset that it was, that the replacement, right, that is appointed, I believe, by the governor was not another Black woman, right? And that they were angry that it was this Latino man. And it was just really surprising. Like when I hear, you know, the black community talking about like, oh, we got to come together, blah, 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 you know. And then you're hating on this guy. I mean, I don't know his record. I don't don't really know anything about him. But I'm like, maybe he is just, you know. Yeah, I don't know anything about him either. All right, that's all we got. For this week, we'll be back next week with the with the whole group. Uh, hopefully, we're going to be talking about the coronavirus vaccine. We'll have a, uh, a, a real live medical doctor with us, somebody who um, has an actual degree um, and knows the science. And so, I know that's shocking, but you know what? That's what we do here at the Reality Dysfunction. We shock people all the time. All right, we'll see you. Bye. Thank y'all. This is The Reality Dysfunction.